I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 192 in which I'm finally on school break. And I'm recording this on Monday, December 7th, 2015. I know I typically, well, you may not know this, but I typically generally try to record on Sunday afternoons um, because by then I might have actually gotten some sewing done over the weekend and I usually have a little more time. Uh, But yesterday I was in the final throes of working on my paper and I finally just got tired of myself and submitted the darn thing at 10 o'clock at night (laughs) last night. Um, I just had to, I just had to be done. Uh, But that's a whole other, you know, podcast. So anyway, um, with submitting that paper, I am finally on school break. Uh, I don't have classes until I go to Boston again on something like January 8th or whatever. Um, But I'm going to talk a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast. Meanwhile, I did actually get some stuff done. Uh, I have some things I can talk about, which is pretty cool. So um, I want to start out by saying thank you to all of you for listening and for your patience as you listened to me for episode on episode on episode whining about writing papers. Uh, A little bit of a break from that now. Um, And thank you to, (laughs) I'm sorry, I am still a little scattered and overtired, but I will try to hold it together for the duration of the podcast. Uh, Thank you to any of you who are new listeners. I did once again hear from a new one this week, which is fantastic. And thank you for those of you who have been listening for a while. And also a special shout out to the Twilters, Uh, the Twilters being those of us uh, in the quilting community on Twitter, but also now on Facebook. Um, Although in this case, I am specifically talking to the Twitter folks because I did a lot more on Twitter the last few weeks because... Y'all were really patient with me um, <laughs> after, you know, how many times I tweeted about writing papers and such, and and you were always there to give me a cheer on. So I really, really appreciate that. And fortunately, you won't have to hear that from me for a while. Um, so let me catch you up with all that I've been doing. And then if I have a little bit of time, I might, uh, those of you who are doing the Crazy Quilt a slow stitch along. I've got some books I can recommend, like I said, if I have time. If I don't end up, if this ends up running longer than I think, then I will just post links on a blog post coming up. So first of all, what have I gotten done? Embroidery-wise, I did finally finish both Pudgy Birds uh, garlands, although I do have to still trim them up to make the two sides of each bird and leaf actually meet each other. Uh, the, The project really took a ridiculously longer amount of time than it should have to finish. It's really, at best, a weekend project. So if any of you take it on, don't let my experience with it scare you off. It wasn't that I was actually working on it, you know, for weeks at a time. It was just I would work on it for 15 minutes here and there. Um, Really, if you buckle down and just focused on it, it's a very fast project to put together. And for the most part, I, I do... Uh, like the way it turned out, it's it's certainly a cute design. Um, the only thing, like I said, is my two felt pieces do not meet each other. Heck, if you can do that die cut, do it. That's 
that's the only way I can see how you'd get these things really that accurately matched. But in any case, um, I will put the link to the book that the project came from on the blog. Um, I think I can also post a picture of the garland on the blog because I can surreptitiously say it's just a project I did for my own house and the person who reads Facebook won't even necessarily know that they've got one coming. That really sounded bad. You've got one coming. <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. Uh, the name of the book is Scandinavian Needlecraft. It is by Claire, C-L-A-R-E, Youngs. Um, there's a lot of really nice projects in it. I'm not much of a project book person. Um, I prefer techniques generally. But there's a lot of embroidery designs in the book. And it's really almost worth getting the book just for those designs. They're very pretty, very simple. Um, Kind of, they do have that Scandinavian feel to them, so they sort of feel old school traditional in that way, but they're very clean and modern. Um, it's I just really love the book. Now, my library has the book, so I haven't actually bought it yet. Uh, it is definitely kind of up there on my wish list for eventually when I'm no longer buying school books all the time that I might pick that one up eventually. But right now, when I do buy a quilty book, it's something that I know I want more immediately. Um, that's the only reason I haven't bought the Scandinavian book, because I know where I can get it when I want it. It is it is a good book, though. It's very pretty projects in there. Um, I also found a new embroidery designer on Etsy that I love, so I wanted to give her a shout out for any of you who do embroidery and would like to check out a designer. Um, the designer is KF Needlework Design. And again, I'll put a link to this uh I'm sorry, I said on the blog, I'll, I'll do them in the show notes to this episode so you know where you can find them. Um, K as in Karen. <laughs> I almost said Kathy, but you can spell Kathy with a K or a C. K as in Karen, F as in Frank, needlework, design, all one word um, in Etsy. And she's actually from Johannesburg, South Africa, but you can buy her patterns because they're all PDF downloads. And, you know, as I was doing that, when I realized where she was from, I thought, you know, this world is just so cool nowadays that I can be buying a pattern from a designer all the way around the world and click as a, you know, quick as a bunny. I've got the pattern right in my files and I'm printing it off and there it is. You know, it's just <laughs> every now and then I do take a moment to stop and get astounded by technology again. <laughs> it's really pretty cool. Um, in any case, KF Needlework Design just has, I just love, I could buy just about any one of her patterns. Loved them all. Um, I picked up two wall hangings with sayings about tea uh, that I'm going to be making my daughter for Christmas. I'm going to, you know, put them in frames. They're of a size that I think they'll fit easily in a standard 8x10 frame. So once I have them both done, I'll frame them and she can hang them in her kitchen her adorable little studio apartment kitchen and she she's a big tea drinker all of us well my son probably isn't but my husband and myself and my daughter are all big tea drinkers um and both of these things are they're just cute one of them is something like um where there's tea there's hope i think is the one i'm working on now uh, i don't remember what the other one is but it's something similar um and they'll be very fast to pull together because it's pretty much just all stem stitch, back stitch, very simple things like that. Um, I am changing up the colors that she used in her design. I'm doing colors that I think my daughter would like better. Um, but other than that, I'm sticking to the design. I just really, really like it. And it's 
it's also a way to make sure I actually get something done. If I just follow somebody else's pattern, uh, I did actually just leave a comment on Francis's of Off Kilter Quilts uh, last episode where she, because she talked about using patterns or not. Um, and typically when it comes to quilting, I don't actually use patterns very much anymore. You know, I'll, I'll use a technique or a style like, um, you know, if you can call the disappearing nine patch a pattern, I've done it a few times, but it's more, I learn the technique and then I do it myself. And, you know, that's not really following somebody else's pattern. I will rarely pick up a book, or at least I haven't for years, pick up a book and do somebody's quilt the way it's laid out in the book. Um, I have done that in the past, but now I tend to do a lot more of the art quilts and different kinds of things. Um, so I haven't been following patterns, but when it comes to embroidery, I started out doing my own thing. And then I realized there's some things it's just faster. <laughs> to just do somebody else's pattern, particularly with embroidery, because I don't have fantastic drawing skills. Um, and so my drawing skills limit me when I have a design in my head, it's hard for me to get it on paper. So, um, you know, by following other people's designs, I, I don't know, I can get stuff done. <laughs> I guess is kind of what it comes down to. Um, I do have some of my own designs I am working on, um, but they just, they take longer. So anyway, that's a KF needlework design. So I got the two wall hangings uh, about tea that I'm making for my daughter. And then I did also download a third or bought a third design from her, uh, which is of course a pudgy bird because I have to. Um, she does have a couple of different designs, although there was one I was looking at particularly. That's the alphabet, you know, with little pictures that go with each letter. They're made for kids. And <laughs> this one was particularly cute. And I'm considering doing it for my great niece's third birthday, given that we just celebrated her second birthday about two weeks ago. I've got some room here <laughs> to, to get it done. Um, so I'm debating that pattern. But anyway, she she's just got lovely designs. Um, I will say with all the embroidery I'm doing, and especially now that I am using patterns that I need to trace and everything, I'm, I'm really jonesing for a light box. I have uh, for years, the few times I did need them for applique stuff that I was doing, I use um, my old sewing machine. I used to have one of those plexiglass extension tables that I used with it. Um, so even though I no longer use that sewing machine, I still have the plexiglass table and I have an ot light that I can fold open and slide underneath it. And that's done for me for a light table for years. Um, but it's kind of clunky and I have to get everything set up and figure out where I'm plugging in and all that. So normally I just use my window. The problem is, as soon as it's daylight savings time, um, here in Western New York, by the time I'm done with work around 5 or 5.30, it's pitch blackout. So the only time I can use my windows of light boxes on weekends. And sometimes I've kind of decided midweek, well, here's a cute little design. I would love to quickly sketch this one out and, and I can't do it because I have no light box. So um, my friend, uh, BFF BQF Kate has a light box that she just bought when we were in Syracuse. Um, I think it's Daylight brand, if I remember. And it's a really thin, it's like a tablet style. It's super thin. And she got the larger of the two sizes that the vendor had. And it has this dimmer switch on it. And it is just beautiful. Um, now at the time that she bought hers, I had already spent some other stuff and I didn't want to, you know, pay that much for anything like that at that moment. Of course, now I'm sort of kicking myself. So we'll see if I get back to Syracuse this summer <laughs> and, and they're there again, I might do it. Um, 
I do also know a local art supply store has light boxes, so I might look there too. But, you know, really right now that's not something I can spend money on, so I'm making do. Um, now, Kate has offered to let me borrow hers, but she lives a good 40-minute drive <laughs> from me. So, um, and I have this horrible problem of wanting to do things on the spur of the moment. You know, you get the idea in your head, you want to do it right there. Uh, so <laughs> that's that's something I'm still kind of working out. Um I would say that I'd put a light box on my Christmas list, but my husband and I are actually probably going to buy something for the house. Um, like we could really use new mattresses, you know, something not entirely exciting like that. So there is no Christmas wish list that's happening here. Um, I had mentioned on my last episode, I think my Black Friday purchase from DMC Floss. I have not gotten most of those orders yet. And I'm a little concerned. I was just thinking yesterday, I really should dig back through my email and make sure I've got the order confirmations and see whether they said anything about what I could, you know, when I could expect those orders. I did get, um, I had placed one order that was just for me. And so it was a little bit smaller and it wasn't one of their big clearance sales. So that might be why I got that one already and I haven't gotten the others. Um, and some of those flosses I had bought with my daughter's embroidery project in mind. So I've got those. Um, and that means I now have stacks. Those, those packages had more in them than I was thinking they did. Uh, one was the new Pantone fall color series. And then I don't remember what the other one was. I think it was, it was some color. Maybe it was just new colors or something. They were both collections and I don't remember what they were called. Um, but between them now, my little embroidery floss drawers where I keep all my standard normal embroidery floss, they are packed. There's not getting anything else in there. And I didn't have really much <laughs> of that kind of normal embroidery floss to speak of. So that tells you how much was in those orders. Um, didn't bother taking a picture of them because they're just standard solid color embroidery threads. So I didn't think they were all that interesting. Um, but I am already using them because I did start working on my daughter's embroidery. Uh, one of them this morning. Uh, the crazy quilt, this is the most exciting thing in my life at the moment. I did actually get my first crazy quilt block done this past weekend. Um, mostly it wasn't because so much that I had time to sew because I, I really was, I was on lockdown with my computer almost all day Friday, most of Saturday, and pretty much all day yesterday. Uh, but I took, I think I had like an hour and a half Saturday and then I had like an hour or so yesterday just where I'd hit a wall and I need to do something else so I worked on the crazy quilt block and again I think I've already talked about this but right now um, I am using Allie Aller's method that's in her craftsy crazy quilt class and so I just did the first block and that first block um, all of her her main crazy quilt method is that you use muslin as a foundation you then um, stabilize that muslin, give it a little bit more body with some fusible knit, lightweight fusible knit woven interfacing. Um, and the reason she specifies that is because it's really easy to needle through. A lot of other interfacings would not be. Um, and so I've got all my muslin. I had cut the piece. I had um, done the fusible on it. So I had it pretty much ready to go before I even went into the weekend because none of that took that long. And then she actually has, it looks like a paper pieced block. I mean, it's drawn out that same way, um, but you don't do it to a degree. It's sort of like paper piecing um, where you're, you, it's a flip and sew method. 
<laughs> excuse me. Um, and so you draw the foundation, the, the block design out on your muslin to give you guidelines to go by. And then you cut the pieces using templates and you don't have to be super accurate on the templates. It's just a matter of making sure you have enough fabric to cut, to cover each spot. Um, so what I ended up doing was using my Ami Sims sticky template plastic. And for this use, it worked beautifully. The only thing it would not do is if I actually ever want to fussy cut a motif for one of these pieces, I'm not going to be able to use that plastic because you actually um, adhere it to the template paper design itself. Uh, so it's, it's not, and I, by the way, I did take pictures of this, which eventually I will get posted on my blog so you can actually see what I'm talking about if I'm not making, if I'm not painting the word pictures well enough. Um, so using the, the sticky template plastic for this first block made everything go really, really, really fast. The only problem I actually had was um, the block is supposed to come to eight and a half inches square unfinished because then it, when you piece them all together, they finish to eight inch square blocks. And mine was shy. It, it only came, well, it just barely, barely covered the eight inch border. And in most places, there wasn't going to be enough for a seam. So I ended up putting, this is the beauty of it being a crazy quilt, is you just slap more fabric on, you know? <laughs> you don't have to, to stew about the fact that, oh my gosh, it came short. You just throw another few pieces of um, fabric on to bring it out to size. So I just ended up doing um, four long strips on either side, on each side. And I didn't worry about it ending up looking like a frame because I knew most of that fabric wasn't actually going to show to begin with. It was, it would just be buried in a seam. Um, but also then I cut, I had, I had made my muslin piece enough bigger than the, the eight and a half measurement that I was able to skew my ruler just a hair, just, you know, not a whole lot, just enough that it kind of made those long strips on the side look more like wedges. So it fit in with the rest of the design. I am really, really pleased with the way my first block looks. Um, this this crosswoven fabric using that as the foundation is giving it exactly the saturated look that I wanted. Um, it, one of the things I love about old traditional crazy quilts is they're just really deep, rich colors, and that's what I'm getting with these crosswovens. Um, I do like crazy quilts that are done with more modern fabrics and, you know, have a brighter look to them, but I really wanted that deep, rich, saturated look, and especially because it really highlights the embroidery. Um, I can use, I've got such, as you know, a vast collection <laughs> of really great threads um, that this crosswoven fabric is just going to be the perfect background for that. Um, the other thing I did is I did decide to t test out how to use lace actually sewing it into a block not just embroidering it on top. I did not use any of the antique lace, the samples that I've been talking about because I didn't want to ruin something if I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I used a piece of hand dyed lace I had and I talked about that on my blog. Um, I just spray basted it onto the fabric and made sure I had placed it in such a way that it would actually get sewn into the seam on three sides. It's open on the fourth. Um, it, it was it was a little bit tricky because of the shape of the piece and the angle that it was going to be coming out. There's the lace that I use has a scalloped edge on one side, and I was trying to get as much of that scallop to show as possible. And I had some problems kind of 
figuring out <laughs> where to lay it in such a way that it, that would all show. Um, but I, I got it. I mean, it looks the way I wanted it to. And using the spray based was wonderful because that uh, lace did not scooch at all. It stayed right where it was supposed to while I was um, sewing it in. So it's very secure in the seams. And then uh, whatever embroidery I end up doing, I will make sure I can attack it down a little bit along the outside edge too. I'm not going to do a lot of embroidery on it because it's already a fairly intricate piece of lace itself. I'm thinking what I may do is just little French knots or even maybe little seed beads in, you know, it has regular openings along it. Um, maybe highlight those using some little seed beads or something. I haven't decided yet. I did... <laughs> We're supposed to sort of bring our blocks to our little group meeting so that we can do the embroidery while we're sitting there together. I couldn't wait. I had to get started on my embroidery last night. Partly by the time I submitted that paper, I was completely fried, just completely fried. And I just, I needed to do something meditative. I couldn't just sit and watch TV. That wasn't going to relax me. And so I picked up the embroidery and it really is very zen. <laughs> It's very restorative. Uh, so I chose one of my uh, a thread collection that I also bought back when we were in Syracuse and I haven't really been able to use much yet. It's a gorgeous hand-dyed, um, I think it's free trade. I was about to say organic. I don't think that's true. It's just free trade, hand-dyed, size 12 pearl cotton. Size 12 is the thinner pearl cotton. Um, it almost feels like silk. I mean, this stuff is so smooth. It is just beautiful. And it's the collection. I've got like 12 of them, I think, 12 different colors. And a couple are solids, I think, but the rest are all variegateds of various different colors. And so I, I chose a variegated that I just thought would really stand out on this one particular fabric, and it did. It turned out exactly the way I was hoping it would. Um, and my stitching was really pretty good. Um, I've gotten much better over these last few months. Uh, and I, you know, it was a very simple, I did a very simple stem stitch, but I, I was really curling it. And this is the most I've ever curled a stitch. And you do have to um, adjust, you know, the, the way you're doing the stem stitch around the curves a little bit um, to get those curves to be smooth. And so I was really pretty pleased with the way it turned out. And then I just did a little simple three petal flower on the end of each curly cue using a um, detached chain. And then this morning when I was looking at it again, I decided, you know, I've got to bling this up. So I did put a little bit of a sequin and a seed bead in the middle of each one of those flowers. It's very subtle, but it gives it just a little bit of sparkle. And I adore it. <laughs> I am so, it's been a while since I've been this excited about something I've turned out, you know, that it's turned out really, really well. Um, I had debated, you know, I know I probably shouldn't do the beadwork until all the embroidery is done because now my embroidery thread for anything else I do is going to be getting caught on those beads all the time. I just couldn't wait. I really, <laughs> I really was in the mood to mess with beads this morning. Um, and so I just did this one thing and now I'll go back to doing the embroidery. Uh, so that, that was just, it was just fun. I'm really enjoying working on that block. Um, what else do I want to say about the crazy quilt? I will, the, the block, um, I didn't do it randomly. I did plan out which fabrics I was going to use where, and that was the one piece that, that kind of took a little while because uh, I did want to think about it. I know you can do this very randomly, but at least as I'm first starting out and doing my first few blocks, I really wanted to try to make sure that color and texture and, and everything was sort of balanced. Um, 
and that I was using a nice mix between some solids and some patterns and, uh, you know, just kind of really feeling my way forward. And so that it felt good to plan it out that much. Um, and again, I really I love the way it turned out. It's a very international block. The the crosswovens are from Indonesia. I've got some scraps in there from Thailand, some scraps in there from uh, from Burma, and then just some random hand, hand dyed stuff here from my hometown, which is also international. So, you know, it's just it's it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. Now I will say, um, doing the beading. I pulled out, I had started a bead collection back over the summer, maybe even before that, and I haven't looked at them for a while, and so I pulled out all my beads to see what I had, and, you know, as usual, huh, I've got a lot of beads. Um, what I don't have are sequins. I had one little package of sequins, which is what I used to do the base of the center of the bead and the flower that I just did this morning, um, but they're very small sequins, and in fact, even though I was using the smallest sea bead, seed bead, um, that I have, which are very small. I don't know the sizing numbers of seed beads yet. I know they also have numbers. I don't remember what they are. Um, but my seed bead is almost as big as the sequin. So I really do have to get more sequins. Um, so that's going to be on my list for next time I go to Joann's or the wonderful, wonderful bead store all the way across town, happily right next to the Needleworks store, which is happily right next to the quilt store. There's one little plaza across town that has the, the quilt shop and actually one of the better ones in town. It's got a bead store. It's got a needlework store. It's got the Weaver's Guild down the, the down on the other end of the plaza, although they don't sell anything. They have classes there. And then across the street is a yarn and fiber shop. <laughs> so it's just all in one place, which is very convenient. Um, I do also need to get some actual beading thread. I, I use some polyester thread because that's what I happen to have, and I knew it would be stronger than cotton. Um, and I, since this was just a little sequin and a little seed bead, you know, I'm not overly worried about it cutting into it, but I do have a lot of other beads I'm going to want to use that would just slice right through that stuff. So I ordered the beading thread, um, which is spelled N-Y-M-O, but I think Allie Aller, because she was referring to it on Craftsy, calls it Nemo, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, there's several different brands. That's kind of the popular one. So I just ordered some on Amazon. I should have it by Wednesday. So maybe by the weekend, if I've got more embroidery done, I'll be able to start throwing some more beads on there. Uh, the other thing I got done this morning is uh, Jacob's Ladder. Did I mention, by the way, that I took today off? <laughs> I don't remember if I started out with that. I had taken Friday and today off months ago. I would blocked it out when I knew that my paper was due this week so that I would make sure I had enough time to write it. Um, but in my head all along, I really wanted to get the paper done last night so that I would have today off. Uh, and then when I did finish the paper last night, I gave half a thought to working today because I actually have a conference call tonight. So, you know, to, to an extent, yeah, it's a day off, but it's also kind of not a day off because I still got a conference call tonight. Um, but then I woke up this morning. I was so fried. I was just exhausted. Um, and I decided, no, you know, I had to look at it sort of like I had just been away for a work event all weekend. I would take the day off that I got home to sort of regroup. And I really have regrouped. I had to clean my office because it had gotten really stacked up with books and papers and such. So I've got that all squared away. Um, did some very restorative therapeutic fiber play. <laughs> and uh, when I get this podcast done, I am going to uh, spend just an hour or so doing some of the tutorials on my software. Um, 
more about that later uh, and then go back to fiber play <laughs> for a while. So I did take today off. Um, and since I am sort of a work first, play later kind of person, I did clean my office first. Partly it just, I don't, I can't relax and clutter. And it was really, <laughs> it was cluttered. Plus all the stuff sitting around reminding me of working on the paper. It's like I kind of had to put it away so that I would really feel like I was done. Um, but then I did make myself stop working and uh get to my sewing machine and on the jack jacob's ladder quilt i do now have all of the blocks done i had all the a blocks done a couple of weeks ago i got all the b blocks done today um, and then i started working on the rows i've only got one row done the problem is um well i have two issues with this quilt it's way too big for my design wall so i can't lay it all out and the second problem is it's the type of design that would be really, really easy to screw up, <laughs> to you know, flip a block, um, sew them in the wrong order, whatever. So I'm going to have to really stay organized as I do this. Um, and that's part of why I am doing them in rows. I know Jay is a big ad advocate of chunking, and I do chunk sometimes. But when you can't lay something out entirely, I can't trust that I would do the chunks correctly. So I'm just doing it row by row. It's easier for me to keep it straight that way. I've actually got a map <laughs> all drawn out. Um, I had printed off the, the design because I had worked this all out in EQ7. I printed off the, you know, a printout of what the quilt's supposed to look like. And then I did with a Sharpie today. I just drew in, you know, what I need to make sure I keep connected to what, which way stuff gets pressed so that the seams hopefully mesh. Um, all that kind of stuff. And then I've got post-its that I'm using to keep track of which row I'm actually on at any given time. I mean, it'll go together fast. Uh, it's just a matter of really paying attention to what I'm actually sewing together. Um, I was actually pretty good in my sewing of the blocks. I only flipped one unit the wrong way once, I think. I did have to rip a couple of seams just because um, I know I said in the last episode that I wasn't worrying too much about whether my points matched. There were a couple of places where they were so obviously not matched that I thought, you know, I can't, those aren't going to blend in. So I, <laughs> I did have to kind of take just a couple of blocks today out. Um, but I think that was also, I was exhausted because I sat down to sew at my sewing machine. And <laughs> in the case, in about 10 minutes, I managed to whack myself over the head with part of my drawer. I then clonked my elbow on the pull-out side table, and then I managed to bang my knee <laughs> on the desk as I was swinging my chair around in to get into my sewing machine. I mean, I was just Calamity Jane <laughs> this morning, and um, it was it was uh, so scary that Doofus, my golden, who normally sleeps right behind me on the floor, got up and ran away. <laughs> I think he was afraid of what might happen next to him <laughs> if he stayed in my proximity it was just um yeah hitting my head hitting myself on the head with part of my desk yes it is possible <laughs> to do that um didn't quite see stars but i definitely have a lump on my forehead now um it you know it, it was at the point where by the time i had the third injury there with banging my knee i sort of thought should i just get up and walk away <laughs> Am I taking my life in my own hands by sitting down with sharp pointy things working with a motor? Um, but I decided to just, you know, slow down, take a deep breath. And so I, I took my time 
um, on the blocks more than I probably normally do. And even so, I still managed to get a couple of seams kind of a little bit wonked, but I, I'm just so fried. Uh, but it feels good to get them all done. And when I have them laid out, it is true. I mean, the, the quilt, there's so much visually going on that you don't see stuff like that. You really don't. Um, now, there are some places where two fabrics end up right next to each other. Uh, so we'll see. I hope those really blend in because um, it would be crazy making. There, there are too many fabrics in this quilt for me to really sit there and try to, and again, I can't lay it all out to see what's happening before it actually happens. Um, I'm just trusting that when I get the whole thing done, you won't be able to notice. We'll see how it goes. So it feels good to have all of that done to the next stage. Um, and now that I'm done with school, I should be able to keep working on it fairly consistently. Um, you know, we've still got stuff. It's the holidays. So we've got stuff going on in the weekends, but uh, I have more time during the week now <laughs> than I was. So I am hoping, it, you know, it's still, this Jacob ladder is not going to make it as a Christmas gift. I'm not going to get it done that quickly. I am debating whether if I get the whole top pieced, whether I will wrap it up and give it to them just so that they know it's coming. Um, or if I'll just wait until it's done, because, you know, if I just wait until it's done, then I'm giving them to them at some weird time in the winter that nothing's going on. Um, but that may also be okay. So anyway, haven't decided that just it sort of depends on when I do actually get the top pieced. So um, that's all of my sewing fun. And I'm, man, it feels good to get back into it. It really does. Um, I love school. Don't get me wrong. I love school, but it feels really good to be done with school for a little bit and be able to get back to being Sandy the quilter. Uh, I will say just about school. Uh, and like I said, I was going to leave this to the end. So I will do some listener feedback. Um, but if you only want to listen about quilting, you can go ahead and turn it off now because... <laughs> Or other than listener feedback, I am just going to talk about school for a little bit, um, starting now. So I did, I, like I said this morning, I purged my office. I used to have a thing at the end of every semester in college. Well, I did it in high school at the end of every year, and then in college at the end of every semester, and then in seminary to a degree, although by then you start having to save stuff more. High school... My dad used to burn our garbage. We lived out in the country. You could do stuff like that without the police getting called on you. He used to burn all our garbage. Um, so we had this big old oil barrel thing out in the backyard. And so at the end of every year, I would have a ceremonial burning of my notebooks. <laughs> would take, unless there was a notebook I really, you know, a class I'd really liked. But for the most part, everything, you know, like math, they would, they would all go in the, the fire pit. And then I would just sort of stand there and, um, sometimes do a little happy dance. <laughs> it was just sort of my symbol of school is done for the year. Um, college, I did something similar. Uh, by the time I got to seminary, like I said, we needed to keep track of stuff a little bit more because you might refer to it again later. And I always kept like my final papers. It was just class notes and stuff. But what I found myself starting to do when I was in seminary, partly because I was married and we had an apartment, is I would bake pies as, <laughs> as soon as I was done with the semester. I would bake pies and my husband doesn't even really like pies. So I would be baking pies and giving them away to people, but it was, it became sort of this ritualistic thing for me. Now I've got quilting, so I don't bake pies anymore, but um, I do still need to have that ceremonial cleaning and, and getting stuff put away. Uh, so this morning 
I took care of these stacks of books and papers. I have an armchair uh, in my office, a small armchair that sits right next to one of my sets of drawers uh, for fabric scraps and stuff, but it's got a nice surface, so that becomes kind of my side table. And that's where I do all my class reading, and I've got a lap desk, so I'll do like print stuff off and do my editing and everything over there. Um, and it was just stacked. I mean, I couldn't even sit in the chair because I sit at my desk and if I use a book at my desk, I toss it into the chair to get it off my desk. So everything was just at sixes and sevens. So I spent maybe half an hour just cleaning and getting everything put away. And it just feels so much more relaxing now. Um, now that my daughter has moved out of her bedroom, it's still a wreck. We still have to do some cleaning in there. Um, I think what I'm going to do this weekend is just go in with a laundry basket and just pick up everything that she's left sitting out and just dump it in the laundry basket so at least I can move in and out of the room with no difficulty. Um, but I'm taking over her bookshelves and I'll leave a couple of her things up there but for the most part I'm taking over her bookshelves and I may even put more bookshelves in there. Uh, I texted her this morning and said what would you think if we turned your room into a library and you know just have the room is full of bookshelves as we can fill with still having a bed because we still need to use it you know if she comes home and stays stays or as a guest room whatever but um that meant i was able my the shelves in my office were getting double and triple stacked with books and so i moved a lot of stuff out of my office i've kept all the books that i need to you know hang on to for the next immediate future but everything else got moved into the other room um, and that just felt so, so good. Uh, the main thing I do, like I said, I've got about mm, three weeks, maybe four, I guess today's, yeah, December 8th, January 8th. So about four weeks. Um, I'm not taking that whole time off. I can't at this point. I need to, um, two things. One, I have to learn the darn software <laughs> that I bought. Um, it's called Nota Bene. I don't know if I've ever told you what it is before. It's specifically made for academics, researchers, people writing their dissertations, etc. cetera. Uh, this is the one that I've referred to. It has a manual, a user manual that's 665 pages long. And they have a couple of tutorials and a few uh, tutorial videos, but not nearly as much as you would really like to have. Um, so I have to really sit down and just spend some quality time with the software. I did start transitioning stuff over to it um, from the software I had been using, which is Scrivener. Um, Scrivener is also a very good software and much less expensive, uh, but it's also much less robust. There's a lot less it can do um, than Nota Bene. So that was part of what I think did take me a little bit longer on some regards writing this paper was because I was also transitioning software. On the other hand, Nota Bene makes some things go a lot faster um, than it would have been had I been using my other software. So it's probably a toss up. But at this point, since I've got a few weeks now, I've really got to buckle down and try to learn that software. Um, and then part of learning the software is also trans. Uh, you have to convert all of your stuff into that software. Uh, it's word processing, but it doesn't. I mean, you can open a Word document, Microsoft Word document in it, but it automatically converts it to its own format, the Nota Bene format. And the reason it does that is the main benefit the software has is its search tool. Once you have everything converted and you tell it what you, which documents you want it to be able to search, um, it makes everything searchable and the search happens in less than a second. It can search hundreds of documents 
and immediately you're seeing results, which is amazing. Um, but that means, you know, all the stuff I've been amassing over the last three months, four months that I've been in school, however long it's been, it feels like longer, um, I need to now convert and get it into so that it's all usable within Nota Bene. Um, and I do need to set myself up with some organizational systems. That was one thing I really learned. Now that I've got two classes under my belt, <laughs> I, I know where my weak spots are in terms of how to do this, um, just from a logistical standpoint. Um, the, the biggest issue is how do you keep track of everything you're reading and everything you're thinking and everything you're writing about for two years until you need to access it for your dissertation. That's my main thing is how do I set myself up with systems that I will be able to access easily when I sit down to write my dissertation in 2017 or 18, whenever I get to that point. Um, and that's what Nota Bene does. It's set up to help you do that. It's just a matter of I've got to start getting uh, systems into place, documents converted, and I also need to get some habits set up. Um, and so that's what I'm really going to be working on over the next four weeks is kind of thinking through what are my habits going to be that I can then move forward so that hopefully I don't end up stressing out as much on my next paper as I did on this one. Uh, the other thing I've realized is I really have to start asking professors right at the beginning of the semester, what format do you want us to use? Because uh, they don't all want you to use the same thing, which drives me nuts. <laughs> It's like the school says, we want you to use Turabian, but then the professors may say, well, I don't really like Turabian, I want you to use this other one. But do you think they tell you that ahead of time? No, you have to know to ask. So, you know, these are little things I'm learning about being a student again is, okay, I'm gonna sit down with that professor the first day of class, tell us what format you want us to use, what kind of footnotes, endnotes, uh, bibliography, let's get that out of the way. And then you can start teaching me real stuff. <laughs> um, the, the book I did actually find, I mean, this is sort of like sitting down and reading the dictionary, but I did sit down and read Turabian. Turabian, Kate Turabian, wrote a manual for writers, and it's essentially Chicago manual of style for any of you who know about style formats. It is Chicago, um, but it's Chicago with a twist. And so I had bought Turabian when I first got uh, started this program because I knew the school wanted us to use Turabian for our dissertations. But I'd never actually looked in the book other than just checking how to do a citation. Her, She has several chapters right in the front of the book that are extremely useful and answered a lot of questions for me that I was like, dang it, why didn't I sit down and read this book when I first got it? Um, just really helpful things in terms of how to organize your thoughts, how to habits to be in, um, how to organize yourself for paper, all of that kind of thing. Just really useful stuff. and. Yeah, this is a lot different from what I had to do in grad school and undergrad. It's a very, it's a completely different beast. Um, so that was really helpful to read that as well. Uh, and the the one last thing that I'll say about school, because this may be of interest to some of you, I am working on using voice recognition software. Uh, I had used what was on the Mac because uh, I'm using my husband's MacBook Air as a laptop. That is completely laughable. It, it is really, really bad. I mean, it, it was good for entertainment value. I was tweeting, this was back in August, I was trying that one out, and I would occasionally tweet, this is what I thought I was saying, here's what it came out. <laughs> Some of it was really, really funny, uh, but not at all useful when you actually want to get something done. The Microsoft speech recognition, only slightly better. 
so I did finally um, over Black Friday weekend. Uh, Dragon, naturally speaking, came came on sale, and that's sort of the you know the gold standard of voice recognition software. And I've only used it a little bit, but I can already tell it's much more accurate than either Microsoft or Mac. Now, why am I using this? I am not somebody that thinks out loud, so I cannot dictate a paper. Um, but what I can do, and what I'm hoping it'll do for me, is when I read a book and highlight all those quotes, I want to be able to then transfer all of those things that I've highlighted into a document that's searchable. So that when I'm sitting down and writing a paper, I don't have to keep pulling every single book up and thumbing through it. I can just do a quick search and there's the quotes. I am a fast typist. I'm close to 100 words a minute. And yet, <laughs> it is really tedious to sit there and retype all of these quotes from the books. And so what I'm hoping I can do is use the um, voice recognition software just to sit and read the quotes in the book out and get them into the document. Um, and then I can do my own writing and everything from there. Uh, so that's the other thing I want to do in the next month is voice recognition software gets better the more you use it and the more it gets used to you. So I've just got to start using it uh, for everything. I, sh I should actually have it on now and see if it could be typing what I'm saying as well as I'm recording, but I don't think it can do two, two things at once. So that's my goal for the next month is to um, get myself organized, learn my software, get my voice recognition to understand me <laughs> more accurately, and then do lots of sewing and such and embroidery and such. Um, now, for the next few podcasts, I won't be talking to you about software and voice recognition and all of that kind of stuff. Um, this was sort of my wrap up of my school for the semester. and you won't have to hear about it for a while again. Um, and in fact, you'll probably hear about it less and less as things go on. It was just, you know, when you're right out of the chute, you're really trying to figure stuff out. So I tend to talk about it more. You won't be hearing about it as much later. Um, and I really do hope you will talk to me. I am starting to get a few more comments than I have, but I also know I haven't been necessarily giving you the kind of episodes that demand any sort of talkback. Um, and so that's the other thing I'm going to be working on over the next few weeks. Uh, when I do have a little bit of time is actually being more engaging <laughs> in this podcast because right now I suspect you're hanging on just out of loyalty, <laughs> not necessarily because I am, you know, providing any value to your life, but um, we have fun together. That much I can say. So let me pull up my listener feedback. Okay, I want to say thank you to Debbie who left a comment on Flickr on about my handmade antique lace and she suggested it might be too fragile to use, um, but she said maybe I could take them to a framers to be mounted in a shadow box. Um, I think this is pretty sturdy stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll be looking at each piece as I pull it off and see, um, but it, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of signs of fragility within it. Um, so hopefully it'll be okay. <laughs> so thank you, Debbie. Uh, thank you to Judy uh, for her email. And she did give me permission to share her email as well. She said, I had to write and tell you how touched I was by your, by your recounting of the email sent in by your listener, Carolyn. I was moved to, tear, to tears. Why must we have wars and send our young people off to fight them? I am so glad to know her grandson is doing better. It seems like such a terrible thing to go through and to put people through. So um, thank you, Judy, for your response actually to Carolyn. And Carolyn, again, thank you for sharing your story. Um, it really was very, very meaningful. 
thank you to Trisha, who left a comment on my Crazy Quilt Slow Stitch Along, which I just posted today. Um, well, last night. I don't remember whether I posted it last night and it just went out via email this morning. Anyway, you know, days kind of blurry at the moment. Um, in any case, Trisha said, uh, beautiful block, thank you. And I picked up some fat quarters of shot cottons today and found a couple of vintage grab bags at my LQS last week that include some overdyed lace and some ribbon. Now I just need to sew some together. So Trisha, I can't wait to see pictures of your block when it's done. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would say Allie Aller's class on Craftsy, good one to take. Thank you to Very Lazy Daisy. Um, of her own podcast. Also on the same one, she said, I'll be playing along. I'm doing mine in mostly reds and golds. I've got some Renaissance costuming scraps to play with satins and velvets, fun stuff. Um, Daisy used to, I don't know, Daisy, if you still, I haven't heard you talking about this in a long time, so I don't think you've done a costume in a while, but Daisy used to do um, period costumes and such. So I can just bet that you've got a ton of really fun fabric <laughs> to play with. So I can't wait to see what you come up with too. Thank you to Jackie, who on the same blog post, who said inspiring, can't wait to see how you choose to embroider it. Uh, so I have since posted on Twitter. I haven't put it on the blog yet. Um, I decided to wait until I get a little more embroidery done, but I have started the embroidery and I'm just really enjoying it. Uh, thank you to Sarah on the same blog post said, I have enough blocks to start already in process. I will get serious about piecing new blocks in January. Yesterday I pieced the crazy quilt Christmas stocking I need to do for my first grandchild. I need to have this done for Christmas. Wish me luck. As soon as I figure out Flickr, I will post a picture. Figure out Flickr, Sarah, because we all want to see it. Um, and here's a question I have for all y'all. I posted this on Twitter, I think. If you embroider something like an apron or a hand towel um, or something that's going to get washed, you're, Sarah, your thing about the Christmas stocking is what made me think about this. Do you need to put some sort of lining or fabric on the back of that uh, to protect the back of the threads? I'm thinking particularly about an apron. If I were to embroider an apron for somebody who's really going to be using it, shouldn't I back it with something to make sure that they can wash it and do whatever they need to do with it without having to be, you know, super, oh my gosh, I don't want to put everywhere this thing because I don't want it to get messy. I'm just worried about the back of the threads getting caught on stuff. So talk to me, people. <laughs> if you've had any experience with that, let me know what you've done. Um, thank you also to... Oh, Sarah also. Oh, and I never took care of this. I'm sorry. Sarah had also accomplished, uh, commented on episode 189, in which it's good to be back in her routine. Apparently, my Minky toy link wasn't working, and I need to go back and fix that. I'm sorry, Sarah. I took note. You know, I got your email right was when I was in the midst of paper writing, so I wasn't thinking about much else, but I will go back and fix that. Um, thank you to Carrie, who left a comment on episode 191, in which we had BFSI, and she said, just finished listening to the last one. Guess I'm one bird short of a garland. <laughs> I do think I'm going to just start saying that, because it's kind of fun. Thank you to Jennifer, who posted on episode 191 as well. Thank you so much for hosting, sharing the BFSI. It got me motivated and quilted a top from a friend that I've had way too long. I don't know if you mean the top? or you've had the friend way too long. 
<laughs> you might want to clarify that one. <laughs> anyway, Jennifer says she's looking forward to BDSI now, Boxing Day Sewing, right after Christmas. Um, thank you to Diane, who also commented on the same episode. She said, okay, I said I'd comment, so I actually took notes. I believe Kimberly Einmo also demonstrated her webbing technique, and that was where I was talking about where you don't clip the threads when you're chain piecing, and so you keep your blocks together. And it makes sense that it would be called webbing. Um, but back to what Diane said, I believe Kimberly Einmo also demonstrated that technique in her Chain of Stars mystery quilt. She said, I've used it on that quilt, but haven't said haven't since, but will watch, rewatch and refresh my memory. Um, congratulations on the Pudgy Birds finish. Interesting that, that many seemingly simple, I'm sorry, <laughs> I apparently need to take a nap. Let me go, let me, Diane wrote ever so much more eloquently than I'm reading <laughs> what she wrote, starting again. Interesting that something seemingly simple has so many details to be considered. By the way, each time I see your butterfly quilt, I like it more. It seems to glow. Thank you, Diana. And I do, I, it is now hung up on the wall in my rogues gallery, so I walk by it every day. Can't say I'm loving it yet, but, um, you know, it's got some charm. <laughs> it's got some charm. It's the kind of quilt that you would say, well, it's got a good personality. <laughs> anyway, um, remember I said I need a nap. <laughs> Thank you to Cheryl, who also commented on episode 191. She says, a comment from a listener in New Zealand. Yay, I think that gives me two New Zealand listeners. That is really cool. This year, some of our retailers decided to adopt your American Black Friday sales gimmick and have reportedly been so enthused after record sales that they intend to make it an annual event. So, along with Halloween, also an American custom, and Guy Fawkes, an English tradition, it seems that any excuse to encourage spending is being used by retailers worldwide. As we approach Christmas, I see and hear how stressed people become with the constant need, or perhaps quote-unquote perceived need is a better description, of having to spend, then, to spend, then spend again and again throughout the year. We have Boxing Day sales in New Zealand, Valentine's Day, Easter Mother and Father's Day, Labor Day, each occasion accompanied by the pressure to buy more stuff. I guess that as long as consumers continue to keep doing it, then retailers will continue to keep on pushing our spend button. And Cheryl, absolutely true. If consumers weren't asking for it, retailers, well, I shouldn't say that. Retailers will always offer to sell, but if people don't buy, they won't bother doing it anymore. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, obviously, there's a lot of people out there shopping who are very good people, but my son has told me some stories about people who complain because the store isn't open early enough on Thanksgiving, and one customer actually yelled at my son, this was last year, yelled at my son because he was making her leave her house on Thanksgiving to come spend money, She and she was dead serious, and he just responded to her, do you think it was my idea to be here? <laughs> it's just... Oi! Anyway, I'm sorry. Don't let me. Don't get me started on that again. Um, back to Cheryl's email, in which she then says, on a happier note, <laughs> which we need to be on a happier note. I have been a longtime listener and find your company while I work very welcome indeed. At the moment, I am doing some hand embroidery and have you alongside chatting to me. So Cheryl, let us do some embroidery together. That sounds very companionable. Although I think we're doing it something like 12 hours apart. <laughs> We're, I don't think we're quite 12 hours apart time-wise, but we are definitely several hours apart. 
Um, thank you to Lorraine. Oh, and I do need to change this on my blog. This is uh, Lorraine who commented on finally a finished butterflies are free to fly. Uh, Lorraine is um, the owner of Color Compliments. She is the one that I was raving about her threads, but I mistakenly said that she was in the UK and she's actually in Canada. Um, I think where I got the UK was just seeing the way she spelled color and just assuming it was British, but I also know Canadians do spell it the same way. Um, but anyway, again, color compliments, C-O-L-O-U-R, compliments, all one word, beautiful threads, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Y'all need to buy, be buying from her. Um, anyway, she liked my bouillon rose. <laughs> which like I said, it was only her thread that made it look any good. Um, so good shout out Lorraine. Thank you. And um, I will definitely be shopping from you in the future <laughs> for sure. For sure. Thank you everybody for your comments. Um, looking forward to getting more of course this week. I should be able to post an episode next weekend. Um, Cause you know what? I don't have a paper to write. <laughs> I do, however, have a bunch of family stuff going on, but I think I should be able to post an episode uh, Sunday afternoon. So we're kind of back onto a normal schedule for a little bit. Again, start getting ready for Boxing Day sew-in day after Christmas here in the U.S. Um, I'm assuming it's the same day in the U.K. Let me know. I'm, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure we all do it the same day. Uh, and other than that... <laughs> Can I keep a thought in my head for longer than two seconds? Apparently not. I guess this is the end of this episode. So let me just end by saying until next time, go get your quilty on. I'm sorry. I can't do that yet. <laughs> oh, I'm a mess. Um, I need to tell you how to get a hold of me. <laughs> you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com. Sandy with a Y. You can follow me on Twitter, Pinterest, uh, Flickr, and a bunch of other places. I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. You can friend me on Goodreads. You can like the Quilting for the Rest of Us page on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. And also there's a Quilting for the Rest of Us Donation Quilts Flickr group. And there's now the Quilting for the Rest of Us Crazy Quilts Slow Stitch Along group, um, which... Oh, I don't have that link to my other one. I need to do that. Let me stop thinking out loud. You can also join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you are so glad this episode is done now. <laughs> I'll talk to you next time. Until next time, go get your quilty on. Okay, a quick addendum. I know I said I'd talk about the uh, crazy quilting books and totally, completely blipped on it, even though they're sitting here on the desk right in front of me. So I'll do that next episode. I'm so sorry. I need some sleep. Go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 